0: You know, it seems like you're kind of having a tough time right now. And what can I do to help or just to talk about it? Those are the people that I remember the most.
1: Hey, what's going on? You're listening to the Live Leaderly Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Alba. Here on the show, we invite guests from all walks to share their stories about leadership, which just become stories about life. I ask that with the people in your life, please tell your story, listen to theirs. But in the meantime, we'll do it together here on the Live Leaderly Podcast. And joining us on the show today, she's a speech-language pathologist, Christina Listerman. Christina, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where are you calling in from today?
0: Uh, I currently live in Lansing,
1: Michigan. Michigan. Well, so a kind of an icebreaker question I like to ask Christina is if you have a first memory of leadership, uh, like a leadership role maybe when you were a kid or a teenager. Do you remember what that was for you?
0: Um, yes. I was thinking about a time, so I think I was in the fourth grade and had a circle of friends and We had established what we called a club, quote unquote. And it was a small group. There were five of us, I think. And then we hit a patch where there was some fourth grade drama, as you can imagine. And I basically was kicked out of the club. And, you know, my feelings were hurt, of course. And then um, I remember conversations at home with my parents about how, you know, groups that are really supportive of, the members don't kick people out, you know, for reasons like that. It was just some wisdom from my mom and dad about this is how friends should support each other. This is how groups should work. And then a few days later, another friend in the group was kicked out and came to me and was very upset. And she wanted to start a new group with just the two of us. And I was remembering what my parents had advised me, and I, you know, and I talked to her and I said, you know, I really want to be your friend. We're still friends, but I don't think that maybe that kind of a group is really good for us in a healthy way. So that in my mind was kind of an opportunity to try and take wisdom I had learned and apply it to another peer situation where maybe I could, you know, pass some of that wisdom on to somebody else.
1: That's a, that's a great memory. You were hurt and your parents passed on some wisdom to you. And then you had the opportunity shortly thereafter to pass that wisdom along to a a friend of yours. That's a, that's a great memory. Thanks for sharing, Christina. Uh, uh, Could you share a little more about your background and and where you're from?
0: So I grew up as an army brat. Um, My dad, my parents were both army officers and then my um, father continued on to retire as a career. So I grew up moving around the United States and Germany uh, as a military dependent and finished high school in Florida and w- went from there to West Point. So I graduated from high school and then I went to West Point and graduated from West Point four years later. Uh, following my graduation from West Point, I was commissioned as a second lieutenant and then I spent five years. And on active duty, which included uh, deployment to Desert Storm, and also uh, some time in Germany, and then when I got to the five-year mark, approximately, I decided that I didn't see the Army being a good long-term choice for myself as a career, and uh, so my husband and I left active duty and moved to Michigan, where he uh, took a civilian job in a automobile industry, and then I. Um, We started having children and after a few years as a stay-at-home mom, I reached a point where I was ready to think about a second career and one of my own children needed some speech therapy in school and my interactions with the therapist there really inspired me and I thought that was a career that I could really find some satisfaction in. So I went back to school and eventually got my certification to be a speech therapist and then Started a second career.
1: Okay, well, during your army career, you taught at the armor school for a period of time, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting for someone from logistics to to move to the to the armor side." How uh, what what did you teach there, and how did that I guess that assignment come about?
0: After Desert Storm, I got married, and my husband is an armor officer, and he. Following the advance course, his armored officer advanced course, he was assigned to the headquarters there at Fort Knox in the armor school. And so I went to Fort Knox then because he was already there on assignment. And uh, my job was I did get a, a position as an instructor in the armor school. And I enjoyed that a lot. I taught um, the basic motor officer course to young officers, the lieutenants and captains, I also taught some classes in the Armour School that were focused for senior leadership. Things like, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the course, but it was kind of an introduction to some newer equipment, logistical equipment and things like that for uh, like majors and lieutenant colonels and people at that level. So I did a mix of things at the Armour School. It was a good experience. Mostly I enjoyed being an instructor.
1: Kind of sounds night and day coming from you know at West Point in the military and then going into uh, speech language pathology, a very different career paths. What is it uh, what is it that you enjoy about um, being a, a speech language pathologist that you've kept you've kept doing it over the years?
0: I just get a lot of satisfaction out of helping families help their children improve their communication, helping them understand how to access other services they might need a lot of the families I work with don't know, don't have experience navigating like the school system, for example. And a lot of the children we work with in my job here often will qualify for therapies at school. So we definitely want the families to get access to as many sources of help as they can. So we refer them there informally, but often they just need some explanations of Here's how you apply. Here's who you talk to. So um, there's quite a bit of parent education that we provide too, in addition to the therapy we're doing with the children. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think the element of service is a very important characteristics of both those professions. And I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of that.
1: So not, not just the, I guess the technical side of your job, which is improving communications, but also helping families navigate through resources and things available to them. It, Communication is a, a big part of leadership, being able to articulate your your thoughts, your visions uh, to the rest of your team. How, how do you see your role in speech pathology kind of working into maybe helping people uh, with that confidence in, in articulation and, and therefore helping them as, as leaders potentially?
0: No, that's a great question. Yes, being a speech therapist is all about helping people improve communication uh, with children. You know, it depends on what level they're starting from and what their needs are, but we want to give them a voice in life to be able to tell people what they need and to tell people what they want to do and what they don't want to do. But also there's, again, going back to parent education, each therapy patient, you know, we also work with the parents on here's how you can help your child communicate better. Here is how you can Frame communication at home so that the child gains the skills, and you also, um, you know, get more experience in how they need to interact. For example, you know, some children might be visual learners as opposed to verbal learners, and um, we do also have strategies that we can teach families to. Here's how to help your child learn to communicate more, and you know, you can support their need for visual learning. So we work with the, not only the patient with communicating, but also the family members.
1: Just like uh when you were in fourth grade and your parents were able to pass on that knowledge that you were able to pass on to someone else, uh, very kinda of, very similar where you're you're giving these parents knowledge and therefore they're they're passing that on. They're essentially leading their family with that knowledge um as part of that process. So that's uh that's pretty pretty great. I wanted to ask that with your experience in the, the military and now in your, your current field, which you've been doing, uh, if you could go back to an uh, in, in earlier, Christina, what kind of leadership advice do you think would have been, been useful to you as far as leadership earlier in your careers?
0: I think that it, earlier in my career, I would have benefited from knowing that I think informal, I'll, I'll call it informal leadership because in my current job i'm not technically in a position of leadership or management we have the hospital manager management level and then we are on the therapy team and so there is no set like leadership structure within the team but we of course interact with management but within the team over time i've learned that sometimes you have to take an informal role in leadership you know sometimes that looks like volunteering to do a project that maybe needs to be done, but other people are, don't have availability on their schedule. That's, in my mind, one form of sort of informal leadership. So I think I would have benefited when I was younger from knowing to anticipate that, to look ahead to be able to see, oh, that will come up in your professional career, you know, and just maybe think through how, how do I want to volunteer for informal leadership opportunities, or how should I interact with other people when they, you know, there's clearly jobs, something needs, somebody needs to do this job, but nobody is specifically designated to do it. And that ties back into communication too. How do you communicate your willingness to do things um, within a team setting?
1: It might not be a direct report or a supervisory kind of relationship, but you can see, you can look forward to see things that need to be done, gaps that are that are going to be coming up, and and sometimes you'll take on an informal leadership role uh, to help with that process um, and and get get the team on track.
0: Right. So in my current job, all the therapists are part of the nurses union, so we are union members and. I don't that's not true, I don't think, in all healthcare settings, but in our healthcare setting that is the case. So the union, of course, has leadership and we are the members. So a few years ago, there was a situation where I, several of us, thought that some something had happened and we thought this should have happened differently. We think we need to address this with the union leadership. So I volunteered to do that. I said, I'll go ahead and I'll, do, I'll reach out to the union leadership. I'll bring our group concerns, our team concerns up to them. So I did. And it was a long process of getting that resolved, but it was finally resolved in our favor, uh, which was great. Um, and then after that, the union leadership asked me if I would be the grievance representative for our section of the union. And so I did agree to do that, um, which was a surprise. I wasn't expecting to be asked to serve in that role, but I did agree to do that. So that was an example of an informal opportunity to take a leadership role and sort of morphed into a more structured leadership role
1: mm-hmm. by, by taking initiative, uh, identifying problems, potential problems uh, that that may lead into a more more formal formal role. Um, just like you were you were asked to do in, in your organization. Christina, if you could think about uh, maybe some of the more the most impactful leaders that you've had throughout your careers, uh, what what kinds of things did they do that you really admired and you've tried to incorporate in how you lead and how you live?
0: Uh, Some of the leaders who I remember responding to the most were leaders who I remember as being the most impactful for me were, um, first of all, leaders who just expressed that they cared, that they were interested in your success. They were interested in how you were, you know, coping with problems. They were willing to listen. They were observant to see that you, you know, it seems like you're kind of having a tough time right now. And what can I do to help or just to talk about it? Those are the people that I remember the most. I think that that is one of of course, going back, you know, you learn this in the military, taking care of your soldiers, taking care of your people is one of maybe the most of course, mission, accomplishing the mission is the most important thing, but taking care of your people and your soldiers is the next most important thing. And I think that the people I remember were those people who, you know, who were watching and keeping an eye on things and reaching out if they could see that you needed help or you needed some mentoring. Those are the people I remember
1: people that take care of their people and express just a genuine concern for the, the folks around them. A bit of a, a guiding theme for for our show, um, the, the podcast and Leaderly as a whole is a, is asking, can, can anyone learn to lead? So regardless of education, upbringing, whether you're in a formal, informal, or, or no leadership role, how do you approach that, Christina? Can anyone learn to lead?
0: I do think so. I do think you can learn to lead. I think that where you learn it from and how you learn it, can make a big difference. I think in my civilian jobs and just to, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but I did work in a public school for about five years before I actually worked in a hospital setting in the same speech therapy profession. I think that some people move into leadership positions, but don't always necessarily have training. I think mentoring is a really important type of relationship that I think people need. I think everybody needs. Some people have great mentors. Some people don't have mentors. Some people don't even realize they need one. Uh, that was me when I was a new speech therapist. I was the only one in, working in the district, and I it just didn't realize yet how much I didn't know. It's always a process of learning in, in any profession, but I think that having a mentor would have helped a lot. When I moved to the hospital setting, I did have informal mentors, which made a huge difference in my career. And I'm really grateful for that. But in terms of formal leadership jobs, I, I do think you can learn to lead. I think that having the right coaching and the right mentorship would make a big difference.
1: Uh, that's kind of a, a nut that we're trying to crack here at Leaderly is trying to help people get access to leadership development and uh, for those who want to lead in whatever facet in their life that they have, at least Leaderly, as a, as a resource to help with that. And so, Christina, we're close to wrapping up, but I did want to give it back to you. You wanted to add any other thoughts or advice about leadership to the podcast?
0: I do think that the, the mentorship idea is something that I thought of as very important because, again, I'm in a situation where I'm not in a formal leadership position, but there are lots of opportunities for informal leadership, or even just like coaching a new employee. Here's how things work. You know, if you have a tough day interacting with families on your caseload. Here's, you know, some things you can think about or ways to phrase what you're trying to say. So I do think that those informal leadership opportunities come along more often than you realize. And I did have a question for you. Um, Do you, in your leaderly group, do you have any kind of a, so I'm a speech therapist. I don't know how many other people who are speech therapists are watching or listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would certainly be happy to offer myself as a mentor to somebody in the, my profession who, you know, maybe needed somebody to talk to.
1: We don't have a, uh, like a formal connection program, but I will definitely keep that as part of the podcast. So if someone hears this, mentorship is very important. Is that something that's, that you've learned? I'm uh, glad that you want to pass that forward to anyone out there who is a who is looking for that mentorship in their life as well.
0: Yeah, I'd be very happy to do that if if there was somebody who was interested. Okay,
1: great. Well, thanks so much for coming on and and sharing your story, Christina, and sharing your thoughts and advice about leadership. Really appreciate having you on.
0: Yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me.
1: And if anyone out there does want to reach out, my email address is in the podcast description, the Live Leaderly podcast description. Our guest today, Christina Listerman. And for all those out there, you've been listening to the Live Leaderly podcast.